Remember when we started this a series we talked about that God is still in the business of dropping jaws? Do you believe that today? He is still in the jaw-dropping business. God is still who he is. He hasn't changed. He is the same God yesterday, today, and finish it forever. He's the same. And so he's the same God as he was in Genesis and in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua, all the way to Revelation and to 2016 today. Somebody shout out loud emphatically that God is the same. Man. So as we say that, as we hear that, let that resonate in your heart because the God that we're reading about today, this God that did great things in the Bible, this God that split the sea so they could walk across on dry ground, this God that delivered them out of Egypt, out of slavery, this God that sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this planet, this God that prophesied through John in the book of Revelation that one day he's coming back for his bride, amen? It's the same God that we worship today, amen? And you should take heart and be encouraged today that the same God that we read about in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the New Testament, the New Covenant, that he's that God right now, this moment, in your life, in your situation. Amen? That's something to get excited about. Check your pulse if you're not. So Joshua is getting ready to lead the children of Israel. After 40 years... And, and honestly, even more than that, because what, what God did in Egypt before that, 40-plus years they've been talking about, been dreaming about. Can you imagine some of you have labored for stuff for 10 years, for 10 months, but for 40 years they've been talking about this dream. They've been talking about finally landing in the place that God had told them they could land, being who God told them that they could be. And where they could finally be. And what does God do? Something like God. He hinges it all on a prostitute. Hmm. That's right. I said it. Isn't that like God to throw a wrench right in the middle of the whole story? I mean, really, have you really read this and thought about that for a second? That he sent two spies in. And they went to a prostitute's house. Now, I don't know if these spies were married, but let's just say for argument's sake that they were. They come back to their tents, their camps, after being gone a few days, and their wives were like, hey, what did Joshua send you to do? Well, he sent us into Jericho. Well, you were gone a few days. Where were you? Well, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. <laughs> Why so many questions? Some of you men know where I'm going with this. Well, how did you survive? How did you not get caught? What, what happened? Well, stay the night at a, this lady's house. Well, what was her name? It doesn't that matter. So I, we could count in the weeds, right, of life. We could count in the details. But can you imagine this conversation, ladies, if your husbands are like, we stayed the night at a prostitute's house. What? I'm just saying, take it up with Joshua. Like, Take it on the pastor, right? It's his fault. It's, I just do what I'm told. You know, don't kill the messenger thing. But it's it's like God. Somebody shout, it's like God. It's like God to take something and someone that we would never pull out and put right in the middle of the story. Right? It, it's like God to do something so radical, so noticeable, something that you can't move past without staring at it for a second and saying, why is she here? 
Who is she and why did God insert her right into the middle of the miracle? So today, I want us to focus at the middle of our miracle. Take your notes, you need to write that down. That's important. What is in the middle of your miracle? Is it possible that God is looking to show up in your life in a way that you never thought God could? I mean, isn't that like God to do something, say something, use someone that we would never even think to use? Now, if you're in here and you're saying, well, Pastor Matt, I'm not really her. I've not been a part of that profession. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't. But God can use anybody. That's what makes him God. Because you and I would say, well, you know, we're going to write this story, and it's going to be this cool, awesome story of a miracle, how they go into Jericho, and the walls are so big. The Bible tells us that, if you read on verse 15, that she lived inside the city wall. Like, her house, the walls were so thick, so dense, that her house was inside the walls, right? And so she lived inside the wall, and, and that's how big her house was. And so, and she, you know, who, who is it that we're going to write this story, and we're going to write it that they cross over the, the Jordan River, and God's going to part the Jordan River, by the way. We're going to learn that next week. And they're going to part the Jordan River, and they're going to walk around the city, and the city's going to fall, and ah, everybody's going to shout, yay, we've entered the promised land. But God says, right in the middle of your miracle, I want to put a prostitute right in the middle. And in fact, I'm hinging and I'm betting everything forward from here on her. If you stop and really think about this story, that the spies come into the promised land, they enter into her house and they hide. It could have been that they went to someone else's house and they would have given them up. And the story very well could have read differently. So God chooses to use this woman who I might argue defines a lot of us. In fact, if you, we've done this before last year when we were in February, we talked about you know, the love story of Hosea, how God told Hosea to marry a woman named Gomer, first of all. And Wednesday, uh, Friday night, our, speak, our men's guy that was speaking for our men's event said for all of us to look up her name. I'm curious what Gomer means. So but he said Mary Gomer, who was a, a prostitute. And he says, your marriage to her will be a reflection of the house of Israel and me. And so when I look at Rahab today, as we're reading this story, I look at the church of God in a way in that there are many of us who've allowed our heart to wander. And we've allowed ourselves to cheat on our God. And we've cheated on him with a lot of things and a lot of people and a, a lot of stuff. And we've given ourselves over for very little. We've, we've made an exchange of something very significant, which is us, often for something very little. She gave her body, which is something significant, often for very little return. So the enemy is baiting us every day, Right? He's baiting us. He's saying, you are significant, and I want to trick you into that exchange for something very little. Isn't that what sin does? It robs us of everything, leaves us with nothing. So here is God in this story. In the middle of the miracle, he inserts Rahab. We don't know much about her other than her profession. 
and that she did have a family. And so here is Rahab. Now, what, what you need to know about this story moving forward is that Joshua, his, this is actually not his real name, his name was changed, but Joshua is the equivalent of Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's the same translation. It's equivalent of Jesus. So let's just say we have Jesus getting ready to lead his children into the promised land. Joshua. Joshua's getting ready to lead God's people into the promised land. And without going forward, he sends these spies. How many remember in the story, if we read about Moses, when they were getting ready to enter the land of Canaan, the Bible says that Moses sent two, sent several spies. Two of them came back and said that they could take the land of Canaan. One of those was Joshua and Caleb, the two spies. So Joshua knew what it was like to be a spy, sent two other spies or scouts, as the Bible says, into the land of Jericho. Now, for those that are in the house today and you're wanting to walk into your promise, I've told you before, remember we declared this this truth last week, that the enemy's not going to just roll over for you. He's going to stand between you and your promise, and he's going to put up a fight. So look at your name and say, get ready to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, real deal, holy field. You know what I'm saying? You've got to get ready to fight. How many believe that your dream is worth fighting for? Let me see your hand. Wave it in the air like you just don't care. All right. All right. Your dream is worth fighting for. Absolutely. But the enemy's not going to roll over for you because you came to church and you heard an excellent word from God and you worshiped with the excellent worship team and you congratulated each other for coming to church today and, hey, you look good. No, no, no. When you hear the truth and it's revealed to you, he's going to put up a fight. Because as you get ready to walk into your dream and you get ready to live in your destiny and what a beautiful thing that is and how it glorifies God, he's going to put up a fight because that's the last thing he wants you to do is live in the fullness of the knowledge of God's grace in your life and it truly functioning in your life. And so he's going to put up a fight for you. He's going to put up a fight for your children. As hard as you fight for your kids, he's going to match that fight. He's not just going to roll over and let you raise your kids in a godless society, is he? He's going to fight you for it. Your marriage, for those that are fighting for their marriage in here, can I tell you, it's worth fighting for. Let me just pause for the cause and say to everyone that is married in the house, if God loves us enough to fight for his bride, dads, husbands, excuse me, husbands, should we not love our wives enough to fight for our bride? And all the wives said, amen, pastor, that's the greatest revelation you've ever said in this world. So they come into her house, and they're staying there. She, Before they go to sleep, in verse 8, she says to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror and dread of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted in despair because of you. That's pretty cool. God was so moving in the lives of his people that they had heard about them before they came. Now, what's interesting about this, the word no, K-N-O-W, when she says, when she says in verse uh, eight, uh, uh, verse nine, I know that the Lord has given you the land. The word no there actually describes the intimacy when a man, when a husband knows his wife. Right? That's, that's literally how that word is translated. So here is a prostitute 
using how she knows things, using this word, I know how the Lord is with you. And it's just, it declares what it's really doing in Scripture. It's declaring an intimacy that God has with his children. So God is, she is saying, I know that you know God and that he knows you. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, do you know God? Look at your other neighbor and say, do you know God? Now, if you don't have another neighbor, bring somebody with you next week. So you can have two neighbors. My question to you is, do you know God? And does God know you? Have we intentionally and purposely, those in the back, invited God into our life to say, I want to know you and I want you to know me? I want to walk with you. I want you to do some things in my life that drop my jaw. Have we prayed that, those of us in the front? Have we today, this week, said, God, I want to intentionally and purposefully walk with you. And I want to know you in a way that I've never known you before. If we fast forward to the New Testament, the disciples, the Bible tells us that they were moving in such power that when they came into a place, they said, we've heard of you. We've heard about you. In Matthew 16, 17, Jesus is looking at Peter when he asks his disciples, who do the people say that I am? Peter's response is, well, you are Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus looks at him and in return and says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but has been revealed to you by my father in heaven. Therefore, upon you, Peter, this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm connecting these dots today to tell you that God is looking at his children today, literally at Crossroads Church. He's looking down at this house. And he says, if you'll intentionally and purposely choose to walk with me, I, in fact, will choose to come alongside you. And I will so move in your life that people will hear about you and what you're doing. So when I read to you Matthew 16 and 17, that church, somebody say, we are that church that people in our community say, wait, 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 that's the church you attend? Snap, what's happening over there? Well, your people are being healed and people's lives are being changed. And I used to work with Joe or I used to work with so-and-so, but now that, I, now that they started attending your church and your house, they're changed and they're different. Somebody say, we are that church. So to connect these dots, if I can today, to tell you that God is not rolling the dice with your life, okay? He's too, you're too important for him than that. And so she says that we've melted in despair because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water out of the Red Sea for when you came up out of Egypt. Remember, this was 40 years ago. For 40 years, they've been talking about these people. And saying at some point, they're going to, after they've crossed the Red Sea, there's only one direction they can go, and it's right at Jericho. And they had worked themselves up so much that they were defeated before God's people ever showed up. There's a beautiful thing with you saying, God, I want you to lead my life, rather than saying, God, I'm going to lead and I want you to follow. Because when God goes before you, 
You got ready to pull your sword out and start slaying people. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not how we're taking it today. I've already gone before you. All you have to do is just praise me when you get there. Come on, somebody. He says, I've gone before you. Give God a hand. Yeah. He says, I've gone before you. And what I want you to do is praise me when you get there. And the fact that you start praising me and worshiping and declaring my goodness, the stuff that is surrounding the promise that I have for you is going to come tumbling down. Can we connect the dots in the house today? I need someone to help me out. This is my mom right here. <laughs> Give my, my mom's a big hand. All right, we're going to come up here. So let's take a uh, green marker. Pastor Tim, you want to come up here and help us? Pastor Tim is going to help you. We're going to connect the dots today. Let's connect the dots. So, so here's Rahab, right in the middle of the miracle, right in the middle of the story. Often when we look at our life, it can look like a bunch of dots. Does it look like a picture? It almost looks as if someone took something random and just tossed it on there. Has anyone ever at night when you were a kid or maybe recently, you've laid outside on a clear, clear night and you looked up at the stars and you point out the Big Dipper, you point out the Small Dipper, and you start pointing out the things that these stars make. Isn't it like God, we say he just tossed the stars into the sky as creation tells us. But really what God did is when he threw the stars into the sky, he threw them into an order. So that when we look up at the stars and connect the dots, we see, wow, I'd you align the stars so that there's a big dipper and that there's a small dipper. Can I tell you that in your life, that if you're not careful, you'll just say, God, there's a bunch of random series of events that have happened in my life. Some things that have been so insignificant, I don't even remember what happened. But can I tell you, there is nothing random with God. When was the last time you read anything in Scripture and that's what you declared after you read it? Well, that was random. But isn't it like God to take something that seems like chaos to throw it up onto the canvas of our life and say, just give me a minute and I'll show you how the dots connect. And some of you are waiting for God to connect the dots. And I believe in 2016, some serious dots are going to be connected for you. Amen. Do you believe that today? Praise God. Praise God. Sonny, will you help me out, buddy? Come on up. This is Sonny, man. This is a I love this guy right here. Pastor Tim, come help us out. We're going to connect some more dots. Pastor Tim, you go ahead. You tell him what dots connect. <laughs> Man. Let's look at Scripture while they're connecting dots. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Salmon, and the Bible's full of interesting names. Somebody decided to name their son Salmon. Salmon. 
Salmon was the trout. Trout was the father. Salmon was the father of Boaz by... What? Hold on a second. Salmon was the father of Boaz by who? Interesting. Boaz was the father of Obed by... And Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of... So, the great king of Israel... The king that was promised in the Old Testament, right? When they wanted a king, God gave them Saul. If you read the book of Judges, children of Israel said, we want to be like everybody else. We don't have a king. Give us a king. God said, now's not your time. They said, we don't care. We want to go ahead of you. I talked to you about you leading and not letting God lead. So God said, all right, you wanted a king. Then you got Saul. Congratulations. Let me know how that works out for you. I'll be here when you're done. The promised king's great, great grandmother was was Rahab a prostitute if we keep reading we'll see Jesus Jesus and you're saying Pastor Matt there's so many random things in my life and I'm saying no there's not and I'm saying the things that you have deemed insignificant the things that you have deemed unworthy. The things that you say that God, there's no way that God can redeem that. And I am here to declare the truth over that and expose that lie today and say absolutely, emphatically, 100% that God can redeem everything. Amen? Look at your neighbor say everything. God is still in the business today of redeeming everything and everyone. And he's not leaving anyone out that everybody gets to be a part of his stuff and his plan. And it's up to us, church, to choose if we want to be a part of what he's doing. Pastor Tim, will you just go ahead and finish it out for me? And as God begins to connect the dots in our life, as we look at the spies, as we look at Rahab, as we look at King David, as we look on throughout the history of the lineage of Jesus Christ, it ends with Jesus. And I'm saying that in your life that God is today connecting dots. Somebody say he's connecting dots. He's connecting dots. He's connecting dots. He's doing things that nobody ever could. Let's show them what the final picture looks like. I don't know if we get the lights on if we'll be able to see. There we go. I'm going to sit down so you can see. Just leave them right there for a second. God's connecting dots, church. And we're saying it can't be redeemed. It can't be that important. Surely that was a random event. She went out one day to collect flax of stalks for her roof because she needed a new roof. You know when a storm blows through and like a million roofing companies show up? She had a storm, whatever. For whatever reason, she went out one day just to grab flax of stalks for her roof. She had no idea that what she was gathering, God was saying, good. Because in your ordinary life, I'm going to use that to do something great. 
In fact, I'm going to send two spies along the way. You don't know this, Rahab, but you're just doing what you do in life. You're just getting up. You're just doing what you do. You're just gathering flax of stalk, and you're going to throw them on your roof. But I've got bigger plans for your ordinary stuff. And I'm going to send two men of God who need to hide out for the night so they can get back to Joshua and declare in verse 24, Joshua, they are afraid of us. We need to go now. The city is ours, just as the Lord said to you. It's ours. And I'm telling you, nothing is random in your life. And every day, God is involved in your life and in your process and in your stuff. And he still cares about you. He still loves you. And he is wanting to be involved in your life. And at the end of our life, our picture turns out to be something really, really beautiful. And we say, God... Of all the stuff that I've done, there's no way that my life can be what it can be. And God is saying, if you will let me connect the dots, I will show you what I have designed for you. Amen. Can we give God a praise in this place? We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to close. You know what? Let's leave the lights down. I want to leave that picture up there, please. Thank you very much. I want to close with this in Hebrews chapter 11. If you, if you are familiar with that chapter, it's, it's all about the heroes of the faith. Heroes of the faith. People in there like, like Abraham, like Moses. I mean, some, some pretty big, like, big wigs in the Bible. You know who else is mentioned in there? Rahab. Yeah. God loved this woman enough to include her as a hero of the faith. She had never worshipped that God. She lived in Jericho, which was a pagan nation. There was no way the God of Israel was ever mentioned there. But she had just heard about it. And upon her hearing, she began to believe. She saw all around her these mighty, masculine men with big, strong arms and physiques and warriors tremble like fear at the mention of Jehovah. And she said, there must be something to this. If these dudes who aren't afraid of anything are afraid of a God they've never met, and just when we mention his name, panic erupts, something must be there that I need to clue into. And so God chose to write her name into Hebrews chapter 11 as a hero of the faith. Are you encouraged today? Nothing is random in your life. And I believe this morning that God is saying, give me an opportunity to connect some dots. What you can't make sense of, I absolutely can make sense of. And when when all is said and done, You're going to see something beautiful out of your mess, something beautiful out of your life. What you thought I could never redeem, I, in fact, already have redeemed it. I've redeemed your past. I've redeemed your present. Come on, somebody. And I've redeemed your future. Amen. I'm going to ask all our prayer partners, our staff, um, our elders to join me at the front as they're coming this morning. If you're a guest for the first time, we believe in the infallible Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. The book of James chapter 5, it says that we can call for the elders of the church and we can lay hands on the sick and the prayer of the faith, faithful, they, they shall be healed. And then it goes on to say that the, the fervent affectionate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
And so we want to pray with you today. We want to come in agreement with you. In this house, we believe in prayer. Amen? For some of you, you need to come forward to hear God's voice about the dots that need to be connected in your life. That's what you need. That's your step of faith today. That's what it looks like. For some of you, maybe you're literally sick in your body. Like you came today not feeling well. We believe, we told you, we declared it out loud together that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It didn't die out with the disciples. It's here for us today. You want to be healed in your body. We want to pray with you. We want to come in agreement with you. So before you go today, before we have meet and greet out in the lobby, all of those things, we want to pray with you today. Make, make this altar a place of prayer. Bring your family up and pray. As we sing and worship, I want to invite you to carve out the last few moments. Book in today in a mighty profound way with God. Hear his voice today, amen. Sing and worship the Lord with us. If you want prayer today, be bold. Come out today. Do something different. Let us come in agreement with you. Find someone. Ladies, find a lady. Guys, find a guy. It doesn't matter. Find someone to pray with them. Find some time at the altar. Spend time with God today. We love you. Before you go, worship one more time with us. We look forward to seeing you Wednesday night.